This is Guns and Butter. that what this lawsuit is about is forcing the FBI to inform Congress. This is not a lawsuit that is designed to prove any particular theory of events of what happened on 9-11. The goal here is to force the FBI to do what Congress directed, which is to inform Congress uh, of all the new evidence related to 9-11 and get an external assessment of that evidence, which the FBI failed to do in these areas we're discussing. So it's basically a, a suit to promote transparency regarding 9-11, to inform the Congress, and thereby to inform the rest of us, the American people, on this evidence so we can all make our own judgments and so the Congress can decide how to follow up on this evidence. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. Today on Guns and Butter, David Meiswinkle, Mick Harrison, Barbara Honecker, and Richard Gage. Today's show... FBI sued for failure to report 9-11 evidence to Congress. Today, our four guests will discuss their lawsuit filed against the FBI for its failure to fully comply with the 2014 mandate from the U.S. Congress, requiring the Federal Bureau of Investigation to present to Congress all evidence it possesses or is aware of relating to the crimes of 9-11 that were not included in the 2004 9-11 Commission report and all evidence gathered since that time. Included today is an overview of the lawsuit, its seven counts, the commissioners and staff of the 9-11 Review Commission, and next steps. We also discuss the petition to U.S. Attorney to report federal crimes to grand jury, filed in the spring of 2018. We have four guests on today's program. David Meiswinkle is the president of the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry, a nonprofit organization. He has been a licensed attorney in New Jersey since 1989 and a practicing criminal defense attorney for over a decade. He is a retired police officer of 23 years and a United States Army veteran. David Meiswinkle, welcome. Thank you very much, Bonnie. Attorney Mick Harrison is Director of Litigation for the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry. He is a public interest attorney with 27 years' experience litigating whistleblower protection, environmental enforcement, constitutional rights, Native American rights, Freedom of Information Act, and government and corporate misconduct cases, and has worked in partnership with many public interest organizations. Mick Harrison, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Barbara Honecker is a board member and officer of the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry. She has served as White House Policy Analyst and Special Assistant to the President for Domestic Policy, Director of the Attorney General's Law Review at the Department of Justice, and for more than a decade was the Senior Military Affairs Journalist at the Naval Postgraduate School, the premier graduate research university of the Department of Defense. She is the author of the pioneering book, October Surprise, on the deep story behind the Iran side of the Iran-Contra scandal. Welcome, Barbara. Why, thank you, Bonnie. 
Richard Gage, AIA, has been a San Francisco Bay Area architect for 28 years and member of the American Institute of Architects. He is the founding member of Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth that now numbers more than 3,000 architects and engineers demanding a new investigation into the destruction of all three World Trade Center buildings on 9-11. Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth is a plaintiff in the lawsuit against the FBI. Welcome, Richard. Thank you, Bonnie. Great to be here. Let's start with David Meiswinkle. David, a lawsuit against the Department of Justice and the FBI was filed on March 25th. Can you explain the basis on which this lawsuit was filed who the plaintiffs are, and what prompted this filing. In other words, could you give us an overview of the lawsuit against the FBI? Uh, I certainly can. I just wanted to give you, Bonnie, a, a real brief overview of the uh, Lawyers Committee and step-by-step uh, step to where we are right now on March 25th when we actually did file in Washington, D.C., in the United States District Court for the District of Columbia, a significant if not historical, lawsuit against the FBI and the Department of Justice. Last year, uh, April 10th, uh, we uh, presented in New York City to the United States Attorney's Office a grand jury petition. And on July 30th, uh, we amended it. And this grand jury petition uh, was referencing uh, pre-planted explosives in New York City and uh, bombs and controlled demolition uh, involving the towers there. Uh, as I said, it was amended on July 30th, and basically we waited. And on November 7th, we had, a again, a landmark uh, letter from the uh, U.S. attorney, Jeffrey Berman, who said he received uh, the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 submissions of the dates of April 10th and July 30th, 2018, and we will comply with the provisions of 18 U.S.C. 3332 as they relate to your submissions. What that is, it indicates his uh, responsibility to call a special grand jury to consider the evidence or present the evidence to, to the grand jury. Uh, as far as we know, this is the first time this happened. And we like to say with that letter, we've entered the castle now and we have established our credibility. Uh, since then, we've submitted to the uh, U.S. attorney to help them with the grand jury persons who may have material information. These are supplements. But um, just recently on Monday, last Monday, in fact, March 25th, uh, we did file that uh, landmark the litigation. It is a lawsuit based under the Administrative Procedures Act in a federal mandamus act. This is a declaratory judgment and injunctive uh, order or injunctive relief. What it means is that we are presenting uh, a complaint to the judge. We're asking him to basically agree with us and with the evidence that we do present and order the FBI to do their uh, responsibility, their job. What they're supposed to do, they were supposed to assess evidence, 9-11 related information or evidence that was not considered by the original 9-11 commission back in 2002 and 2004. They were supposed to present this evidence to the 9-11 Review Commission, which was established in 2014, and then it, it, it ended in 2015. That evidence it was supposed to then be presented to Congress. So what it's saying is the uh, FBI has not done what they were mandated to do from Congress. 
It's not a discretionary obligation on their part. They have to assess this evidence. Now, the evidence is in seven areas, very significant, and our litigation director, uh, Mick Harrison, can uh, review that with uh, the audience and yourself and uh, update us on uh, those particular areas. I think that, uh, you know, that's a good intro to, to Mick. Well, uh, Mick Harrison, as Director of Litigation for the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry, could you give us the nuts and bolts of the lawsuit against the FBI? From your press release, quote, the complaint cites the failure of the FBI and its 2014-2015 9-11 Review Commission to assess key 9-11 related evidence that the FBI can be shown to have had or been aware of regarding, and then you list all seven counts. What are they? Well, the first count has to do with the FBI's failure and the failure of its 2015 External Review Commission, which has become known as the 9-11 Review Commission, not to be confused with the original 9-11 Commission of 2004. So the first count has to do with the failure of the FBI and this new commission to assess the evidence that the Lawyers Committee has presented to the U.S. Attorney, as David mentioned, relating to the use of explosives to destroy three of the World Trade Center buildings on 9-11. This is the demolition evidence that the architects and engineers have spent so many years developing and articulating to the public. And the the reason we have a right to sue, Bonnie, on that particular area of evidence in the moment is because Congress and Public Law 113-6 in 2013 uh, issued a mandate to the FBI and it required a couple of things for the FBI to do. The first, which is not involved in this lawsuit, was to assess how well the FBI has been doing in implementing the recommendations from the original 9-11 Commission in terms of improving the FBI's response to uh, terrorist threats. But the, the part of the mandate that is relevant to this lawsuit is that the Congress required the FBI to establish this external commission to assess any evidence known to the FBI that was not considered by the original 9-11 Commission related to any factors that contributed in any manner to the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001. So the demolition evidence that we cite in our first count that the architects and engineers have articulated so well uh, is clearly related to the 9-11 attacks And it's that use of explosives, unfortunately, that caused such a horrendous loss of life on 9-11 because otherwise those buildings would not have fallen. So we meet the first criteria there. Uh, The second thing we would need to show on count one to win it would be that the FBI was aware of this evidence. And uh, perhaps Richard can share some of the information that his organization obtained that we have cited in our complaint showing the FBI was not only aware of the evidence, they apparently had read uh, at least some of it, assessed some of it, and promised to do a thorough review. And they actually complimented Richard's work in doing a thorough assessment. So in addition to showing that the evidence is 9-11 related and that the FBI was aware of it, we have to show that the original 9-11 Commission did not 
consider that evidence. And I think most folks will know from reading the original 2004 report that the the evidence regarding use of explosives was simply not discussed there. And the last thing we would need to prove, of course, would be that the new commission did not do its duty and assess the demolition evidence. And that's clear from the face of the report. So that's count one. And we have to show similarly the same four elements for each of the additional counts. The second count has to do with what we call the high fivers. And some of your listeners may know that there were several individuals arrested on 9-11 initially by local police in New Jersey, then the state police, and then the FBI took custody. And these are the folks who were seen uh, celebrating, strangely enough, the attacks on the World Trade Center and uh, citizens reported them and they were tracked down and arrested. They actually were held for quite some time and, and interrogated by the FBI for weeks, if not months. They were self-identified Israelis and they were eventually deported to Israel without charges being filed. But there are there's some very interesting uh, evidence regarding those individuals in FBI reports. We have the FBI reports in question several hundred pages long And apart from the fact that they were celebrating the attacks, um, there were some photographs that were developed from film in their custody, and there was a a test for explosive residue, first by a a bomb-sniffing dog, which uh, gave a positive reaction to their van and a blanket in the van, and then there was a laboratory test, which we have yet to see the results from, but the FBI, of course, has it. So that's a second category. And before I go to the other categories, let me just emphasize that what this lawsuit is about is forcing the FBI to inform Congress. This is not a lawsuit that is designed to prove any particular theory of events of what happened on 9-11. The goal here is to force the FBI to do what Congress directed, which is to inform Congress uh, of all the new evidence related to 9-11 and get an external assessment of that evidence which the FBI failed to do in these areas we're discussing. So it's basically a a suit to promote transparency regarding 9-11, to inform the Congress, and thereby to inform the rest of us, the American people, on this evidence so we can all make our own judgments and so the Congress can decide how to follow up on this evidence. So um, quickly, the third category has to do with the destruction of evidence related to the high fibers, And we did a a freedom of information request to try to get these photographs that were developed from the confiscated film. The FBI came back with a response and said uh, some of the records responsive to your FOIA request or that may be responsive have been destroyed. And um, it appears that that destruction took place quite coincidentally uh, in January of 2014. And that is the very year and month that this new 9-11 Review Commission was established under orders from Congress uh, by the FBI to look at evidence like that that was destroyed. So we were obviously concerned that some of the evidence that should have been reported to Congress and assessed has, uh, has been destroyed by the FBI before the new commission could look at it. So that's our count three. I'm speaking with lawyers and researchers David Meiswinkle, Mick Harrison, Barbara Honecker, and Richard Gage. Today's show, FBI Sued, 
for failure to report 9-11 evidence to Congress. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. Count four has to do with the Saudi and other international funding or support for the hijackers and evidence related to that. Uh, a lot of folks probably don't know, uh, and, and many folks do know, there is a lawsuit for many of the 9-11 family members that's in progress as we speak in New York uh, against the Saudis uh, and Saudi Arabian officials and entities. And the um, court there recently issued an order sort of a historic order, the first time that I knew of that discovery has been allowed of any kind in a 9-11 related suit. Um, and what that order said was that the, the family members through their lawyers could do limited discovery on the jurisdictional issue being decided in the moment, which has to do with immunity being claimed by the Saudis. And that means that as it happens, given the details of that case, that the family members can uh, basically request documents uh, with the uh, force of a subpoena, even if they don't have to use a subpoena, and and basically get some of the key documents regarding Saudi connections to the alleged hijackers. Now, the reason I mention this is that in response to that court order, the Department of Justice publicly noted uh, that the FBI has three what they call tranches of documents, T-R-A-N-C-H-E-S, three groups of documents apparently related to the Saudi support for the alleged hijackers. And those uh, groups of documents are under review as we speak uh, for privilege and for possible uh, uh, declassification so that some or all of them can be produced to the 9-11 family members in this lawsuit. And uh, we have cited evidence in our complaint, I won't go into all the details in the moment, which show that at least one of those sets of documents is going to be dated between the two commissions we're talking about. So after the original commission in 2004 and before the new 9-11 Review Commission of 2015, 2014-2015, uh, the FBI was continuing to investigate. And a lot of folks don't understand that the 9-11 investigation has been ongoing by the FBI. And so they've continued to investigate Saudi and other international support for the hijackers, and uh, that evidence should have been assessed by the new commission and reported to Congress, but it was not. So that was um, our account number four. Our account number five has to do with video evidence regarding the Pentagon, and um, there was a FOIA request by a citizen uh, not too long ago asking for all the videos within a one-mile radius of the Pentagon that were taken on 9-11, and the uh, FBI responded that they had located 13 compact disks full of videos that were responsive, and they later came back and said they'd identified apparently an additional 100 videos that were responsive. And uh, I don't believe those have been produced yet, but they're in the process of being produced to the individual citizen who requested them. Um, the reason that is mentioned in this lawsuit is that there's no indication that the new 9-11 Review Commission or the original 9-11 Commission ever examined those Pentagon videos or assessed them, and that uh, evidence has not been reported to Congress. Uh, the sixth and next to the last count that we have has to do with plane parts and plane wreckage that was recovered at all three of the crash and attack sites, uh, 
Shanksville, Pennsylvania, the Pentagon in Virginia, and the Trade Center in New York. And uh, most of us have seen the photographs of FBI agents lined up walking across the field collecting evidence from the surface of one of the crash sites. So we know the FBI has this evidence, but there's no indication that it was ever assessed by either of the commissions, the original 9-11 commission or the new 2015 review commission. So we are suing to force the FBI to do its duty and report to Congress as directed this category of evidence as well. The last count has to do with uh, phone calls reported coming from the three hijacked planes. Um, the Flight 93 that crashed in Shanksville reportedly and the Flight 77 reported to have crashed at the Pentagon and actually there would be four planes, two planes that hit the Trade Center on 9-11. The reason this category of evidence is in this lawsuit is that even though the original 9-11 Commission discussed a number of these phone calls, so they had evidence, the 9-11 Commission had some evidence from the FBI in 2004, which they discussed. And one example is the reported four phone calls discussed, I believe it's footnote 57 in the chapter one of the 2004 Commission report, where the then Solicitor General of the United States, Theodore Olson, um, was called by his wife, Barbara, according to Ted, and um, the 9-11 Commission said four of those calls uh, took place, each for longer than a minute and one for longer than four minutes. The reason that's subject to this lawsuit is that two years later, after the 2004 original Commission's report, the FBI reported to a federal court in the Massawi terrorism trial uh, different information regarding those same phone calls. And it appears from the information that we have that the FBI at that time was saying that none of those calls were actually connected to Ted Olson from his wife. And they had apparently uh, documented only one call that was attempted that lasted for zero seconds. So by 2006, the FBI must have had new information about those phone calls, which the original commission could not have assessed. And uh, there's no indication in the new 2015 FBI Review Commission report that uh, that new phone call evidence, new as of 2006, was assessed or reported to Congress as required. So uh, pardon the lengthy explanation, but that's what this lawsuit is about. Barbara Honecker, since the U.S. Congress has not historically demonstrated any real interest in investigating the criminal September 11th attacks of 2001, why do you think that Congress then mandated a 9-11 review commission in 2014, 13 years after the event? Uh, I will answer your question, but if I may, I'd like to make three points. Um, very quickly relative to what we've already heard from David and Mick. And uh, those, those quick three points are that the um, petition calling for a federal criminal grand jury in New York City, which has been uh, accepted by the U.S. attorney there, that is uh, only for the World Trade Center-related evidence, World Trade Center 1, 2, and 7, and the exciting and truly historic uh, fact about the lawsuit that was just filed in the federal district court in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, the two major differences uh, between the two are, first, that the uh, grand jury process 
regarding the New York petition that was filed last year in April of 2018. It is a secret process, completely secret. So we don't even know, frankly, if the grand jury has been convened. We have to probably assume that it is because it's been a number of months, getting on five months uh, since the letter uh, from the U.S. attorney letting us know that it would be convened and that they were going to comply with the law that requires them to convene it on the World Trade Center evidence only. Uh, the difference with what we just did a week ago in Washington, D.C., is that this is a public process. If we can get past uh, an expected motion to dismiss by the, the defendants, who are the FBI uh, director and the attorney general now, uh, William Barr, um, that process, unless it's uh, sealed by the court, which we do not expect, uh, it will be public. And if the case goes forward, uh, we should all be able to be in the gallery in the courthouse. And there should be able to be uh, public uh, media and press coverage of it. So that's a major difference. The second point I wanted to make is because we have in the D.C. filing the complaint filed a week ago, we have gone beyond the World Trade Center evidence to the other six counts together with the World Trade Center count, which is count one. It links all of the major attack sites of 9-11. So we are going way beyond just the World Trade Center to the Pentagon site, to the Shanksville site. Those, those are the three sites. So um, that's another major, uh, major difference. So now to answer your question, why do I believe Congress um, mandated the 9-11 Review Commission in the first place almost 10 years after uh, the 9-11 Commission report was published. Why do I believe they did that? Well, probably between you and me, and I'm not speaking on behalf of the Lawyers Committee now, I'm answering your question as a private, an, a very informed private citizen. I believe that Congress did that because a number of members of Congress, in addition to, of course, the then FBI director before, during, and uh, and after, for many years after 9-11, Robert Mueller himself, who's still the special prosecutor, um, and also, of course, the then Attorney General Ashcroft, and also many uh, high-ranking members of Congress know the truth about 9-11. And I believe it was basically a cover-your-you-know-what operation by Congress. But regardless of the real reason, um, Congress, of course, explicitly on the, on the public surface, has stated that that they wanted to know if there was any information that the ongoing FBI investigation, which is ongoing to this day, Bonnie, it has never ended, and it's called PENTBOM, which I think is important for people to realize. The acronym or abbreviation by the FBI itself for the entire 9-11 investigation, which has never ended to this moment, the 9-11 FBI investigation is still ongoing. Its codename is PENTBOM, and that stands for Pentagon Twin Towers Bomb or Bombing. It's very important. The code name for the entire investigation, Pent Bomb. Okay, so Congress obviously wanted for the public to believe and know that its only reason was because it wanted to know if the FBI had uncovered anything that it didn't already know at the time of the publication in the summer of 2004 of the 9-11 Commission report. And it's very clear when you read our complaint 
And uh, you can read the complaint two places uh, on the web. You can go to the Lawyers Committee website, which is lcfor911.org. That's lcfor911.org. And also to the Architects and Engineers, to Richard Gage's website, which is ae911truth.org, where you can read the complaint, where you can read the press release, and also where you can watch the video of our press conference. And I should say that we welcome support to both of our websites, any support that uh, your listeners can give us. So thank you, Bonnie. I'm speaking with lawyers and researchers, David Meiswinkle, Mick Harrison, Barbara Honecker, and Richard Gage. Today's show, FBI sued for failure to report 9-11 evidence to Congress. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. Richard Gage, what evidence has architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth submitted to the government and the FBI as evidence of what happened on September 11, 2001, that was not reported to the 9-11 Commission as mandated by Congress. What did that evidence include? Well, the FBI can't slide out of this one, Bonnie. Uh, They are on record as having assessed our presentation, the one that I have given 600 times around the world now, and uh, they said, uh, they wrote back after having received our DVD by Harold Save in Florida, uh, they wrote back and said, uh, Mr. Gage's uh, theory is interesting and backed by thorough research and analysis. So they already assessed it. So they didn't tell Congress about that, though. So this is uh, great news. We also have uh, a very active person, a supporter in Washington, Jeff Risch, who brought to Senator or Congressman McDermott uh, in Washington the nanothermite report, which is the result of a team of eight scientists led by Niels Herrett and Stephen Jones. And they found in all of their independently collected samples throughout the World Trade Center these red-gray chips up to 10 tons of this material throughout the center by extrapolation, which is composed of nanoparticles of iron oxide and aluminum powder. Well, what are those? That's the ingredients of thermite. And this is called nanothermite, which was developed prior to 9-11. It should not be found in all the World Trade Center dust. And uh, when this team uh, ignited this material, they, they found that it creates iron microspheres, molten iron microspheres, indicating it's an energetic uh, substance which is uh, basically thermite. Thermite is an incendiary used by the military to cut through steel like a hot knife through butter. So there's 10 tons of this material found throughout the World Trade Center dust, but also this is exactly what the USGS found in the form of previously molten iron microspheres that they could not explain the origin of about, again, 10 tons of molten iron microspheres. Well, where did the iron come from? Molten iron is a byproduct of thermite. Where did the incredible heat come from to melt iron, which takes 2,800 degrees? 
that obviously came from those chips. There's no other source in, in the official story, not even jet fuel, that can even begin to melt iron. So uh, the USGS has corroborated the work of the independent scientists and uh, have and, and even uh, FEMA in their original uh, 2002 report, uh, their building performance assessment report before NIST came in and took over the evidence and threw out this metallurgical examination of the steel that FEMA came up with in Appendix C, proving that the steel was attacked by uh, liquid molten iron and sulfur corrosion attack on the steel. Where does the sulfur come from? Well, sulfur is added to thermite to become thermate, much more effective at cutting through steel. So you can begin to see that this evidence is internally consistent and self-corroborating. And once brought into discovery in this FBI lawsuit, um, we have... Uh, a firestorm of controversy that's going to erupt here and inform hopefully all members of Congress uh, that they have been duped uh, by the FBI and of course by our mainstream media, which has not saw fit to research or uh, publish any stories on this material, much less the hundred uh, first responders, uh, more than a hundred who are witnesses of explosions, most of which are before the towers even collapsed, and some of which are before the airplanes even hit the buildings. So the evidence is extremely clear and documented in another piece of evidence, which the FBI has been sent, which is our documentary, 9-11 Explosive Evidence Experts Speak Out. In fact, your uh, listeners uh, can see that for free uh, on YouTube right now. Just search on YouTube, Experts Speak Out. There's an hour-long documentary version there that gives all the evidence that the FBI had and that the U.S. grand jurors will be looking at and assessing uh, for the first time as independent citizens. Uh, they have the opportunity to demand that expert witnesses uh, such as the ones that appear in this documentary, uh, come forth and give them the information uh, which the U.S. attorney uh, has not prosecuted or uh, given to be prosecuted. I mean, there are people here that are now named as uh, important witnesses and possible suspects by the uh, Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry that have been uh, given to these jurors, uh, or at least to the U.S. attorney to be given to these jurors, so uh, we're very excited. I mean, it's been 12 years since we have been uh, all around the country talking to every congressperson, at least their staffers. Uh, on three separate occasions, we've given them the petition when we had 1,000, 2,000, and again, when we had 3,000 architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth demanding a new investigation. So uh, we're just delighted to have the legal action and uh, excellent support of the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry. And, and this is the time when they also need the support as well that we need to provide them so much. So I encourage everybody to get informed at um, one of the two websites, ae911truth.org or lc4911.org. Well, thank you, Richard Gage. First of all, with regard to this mandate from Congress for a 9-11 review commission. Your complaint says, quote, 
Plaintiffs seek an order requiring defendants to fully comply with this important mandate from Congress. End quote. Has the FBI complied in any way with Congress's mandate? What was the FBI's response? Well, let me start. This is Mick, and my colleagues can add their thoughts. The, the FBI has not yet given a response to our complaint. They will do that probably within about 60 days, where they're actually going to have to respond by admitting or denying the allegations in each paragraph in our complaint. That's what an answer is required to contain. Uh, until then, we won't know exactly what the FBI's uh, response is, but they did um, comply on another topic, another topic, not the one we're addressing in this lawsuit, but the mandate, as I noted, had two components. The first was to report on how well the FBI has been doing implementing the recommendations of the original 9-11 Commission for improving their response to terrorist threats. And if you read the, the 2015 report of the new commission, you'll see that they did address that component of the congressional mandate. Now, whether that is entirely accurate is a whole other question. We're not addressing that issue in this lawsuit. So they didn't ignore the mandate entirely from Congress, they, the FBI, or the new commission. They simply ignored these uh, six categories of critical evidence we've been discussing, which really changes you know, the uh, perspective when you really start to come to grips with this evidence, as Richard notes, um, then your understanding of what happened on 9-11 and its consequences it becomes very different. So it's an important omission, uh, but it wasn't a complete disregard. From your filing, the then FBI director appointed three commissioners to what became known as the 9-11 Review Commission. And, of course, these people are not FBI members. Those commissioners were former Attorney General Edwin Meese, former Congressman and Ambassador Tim Romer, who also served as a member of the original 9-11 Commission, and professor and counterterrorism expert Bruce Hoffman of Georgetown University. So, a couple of questions. Who was appointed executive director of the 9-11 Review Commission? And in addition to the executive director and the three commissioners, who were the staff of 12 comprising this 9-11 Review Committee? I'd like to uh, answer about the commissioners themselves, if I may, and I'm sure that the others will probably want to, to add to it. I'd like to, to start because uh, the... Uh, lead member of the three-person 9-11 Review Commission was Edwin Meese, who, of course, was um, the counselor to President Reagan in the White House in the first Reagan administration of his two administrations, and uh, also then became Attorney General of the United States in Reagan's second term, towards the end of his first term or the beginning of his second term. I worked with Ed Meese. Um, I worked with Ed Meese in the 1980 Reagan-Bush campaign in the transition and in the West Wing of the White House. And I can tell you, as the author of the book October Surprise, on the true deep story behind the Iran side of Iran-Contra, which was a treasonous arms for hostage delay deal with the Khomeini regime to prevent Carter from bringing our 52 hostages home, I can tell you that Ed Meese was the number one cover-up artist for the truth about iran Contra, which was high treason. 
So this is the man that they've brought in to lead this commission because he is a true uh, Washington fixer. Okay, that's number one. Number two was, uh, I believe he was still representative, but he might have been just former representative Tim Romer. And Tim Romer was one of the members of the original 9-11 Commission. Now, interestingly, after the 9-11 Commission report was published, Tim Romer was one of the commissioners who very honestly publicly stated that the 9-11 Commission itself, um, uh, their report was not complete. And as many of your listeners probably already know, but some don't, that the co-chairman of the 9-11 Commission, Keene and Hamilton, uh, published a book in which they stated that they were lied to by the FAA and by NORAD, by the Department of Defense, by the Pentagon, uh, and a number of other high-level officials in the Bush-Cheney administration government intelligence community, that the the co-chairman said that their 9-11 Commission was set up to fail, therefore, and Tim Romer was one of the members of the commission who weren't exactly that explicit and forceful in their statements, but he he did honestly state after the report was completed that, um, and in fact, based upon the Saudi government's, uh, the Saudi government's claim that uh, when, when there was a move to get the 28 pages of the original House Senate Intelligence Committee investigation of 9-11 released, and the Saudis said, well, there's nothing in it, and other members of the Bush-Cheney government said that there was nothing in it to see, move on, folks, you don't need to have it declassified, which it now has been, and points a finger directly at the Saudi government and its topmost officials, including Bandar Bush, who was, who was then the U.S., uh, the U.S. ambassador from Saudi Arabia um, before, during, and after 9-11, and so close to the Bush family that they called him Bandar Bush, um, Tim Romer was one of the few members of the 9-11 Commission who actually uh, was honest about it not being complete, that it couldn't be complete, and that they were lied to. So that's the number two person on the 9-11 Review Commission. And the number third person, Bruce Hoffman, is a well-known self-proclaimed counterterrorism expert. I, I believe that he uh, was originally from Rand Corporation. I've met him when I worked at the Naval Postgraduate School. Um, he is one of the top go-to people for, frankly, uh, not telling the truth about what really happened on 9-11. I'm speaking with lawyers and researchers, David Meiswinkle, Mick Harrison, Barbara Honecker, and Richard Gage. Today's show, FBI sued for failure to report 9-11 evidence to Congress. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. Now, does anybody want to chime in on this staff of 12 of the 9-11 Review Committee? Well, this is Mick. I can tell you about the executive director, uh, John Gannon, uh, he was basically um, someone who worked for the CIA from 1992 until 2001, uh, of course, the year of 9-11 attacks. And he uh, served in various capacities of increasing responsibility in the CIA during that time frame. Um, he also served in the White House as the head of the intelligence team that created the Department of Homeland Security in 
and he had other uh, roles. I think he was staff director for the House Select Committee on Homeland Security, 2003-2005. And so that's um, the person who would be in charge of all the staff and doing the sort of nitty-gritty work of the new commission, the 9-11 Review Commission, John Gannon, formerly of the CIA. There were quite a few other folks uh, on the staff. If you want, I can give you names and and short backgrounds. Uh, yes, Mick Harrison, go ahead. Who were the staff? Well, working under the direction of John Gannon, uh, the former CIA official, was Kim Cragen, uh, and I may mispronounce some of these names, C-R-A-G-I-N, a PhD, is a senior political scientist at the RAND Corporation, focusing on terrorism issues. There was also uh, William Gianetti, senior intelligence analyst from the Defense Intelligence Agency. Uh, Barbara Grew, G-R-E-W-E, is a principal policy advisor for the MITRE, M-I-T-R-E Corporation. Uh, Christine, or Chris Healy, H-E-A-L-E-Y, was a legal advisor to the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. Uh, Seth Jones, director of the International Security and Defense Policy Center at Rand Corporation. Uh, Joanna Kena, K-E-E-N-A, staff operations specialist for the FBI on counterterrorism. Joseph Marino, M-O-R-E-N-O, is a former federal prosecutor with the Department of Justice in the National Security Division. Jamie Perko, P-I-R-K-O, security and intelligence analyst um, for U.S. government agencies, including the FBI and the DOD. Um, Elizabeth Potet, P-O-T-E-A-T, attorney with the National National Security Division's counterterrorism section in the DOJ, sure. the Department of Justice. Uh, William Richardson, uh, who spent 32 years at the CIA. Amy Sturm, S-T-U-R-M, analyst for U.S. Special Operations Command. And the last is Karen Wagner, uh, W-A-G-N-E-R, former Undersecretary of Intelligence, uh, Department of Homeland Security. So you can see that these are folks who are pretty closely tied to the government, the CIA, the FBI, the DOJ, the DOD, and to major government contractors related to uh, military and terrorism issues. And uh, Bonnie, I'd just like to add, notice I believe there are three, at least two, if not three, RAND Corporation uh, members of the staff of the 9-11 Review Commission. And if I'm not incorrect, it can be checked. Bruce Hoffman, who's actually one of the commissioners, um, uh, has been tightly associated with RAND. I'd just like to point out that it's my understanding that RAND Corporation was either founded or certainly is tightly linked to the Air Force. And NORAD is an Air Force sub-agency. And the 9-11 commissioners, Keenan Hamilton, uh, and the 9-11 commissioners in general, uh, before they completed their report, uh, and they have gone public with the fact that they were lied to by NORAD, uh, which is an Air Force agency, and that that's one of the reasons that the commission and its report was, quote, set up to fail. So that tells you a lot about why they brought in all these RAND Corporation Air Force-linked um, staff members and one member of the actual commissioners. Well, thank you, Barbara, and thank you, Mick. I have a general question about 
this 9-11 Review Commission. My anticipation was that the 9-11 Review Commission would be made up of FBI members to answer this mandate from Congress. But all of these people on the 9-11 Review Commission are not members of the FBI. Well, I think there was one there, Bonnie, that was FBI, but generally uh, what you're um, observing is correct. But I think there's a reason for that, and it's found in the wording of the mandate from Congress. And the Congress, for reasons of its own, and which may have been wise, um, directed the FBI not to do this assessment of the new evidence itself, but to have an external, E-X-T-E-R-N-A-L, external assessment, as uh, in the concept of an independent assessment, uh, done by the FBI. So basically, the FBI was ordered by Congress to arrange for an independent external review of this evidence, assessment of it, and then reporting of that assessment to Congress. And for that reason, at least in order to maintain the appearance of independence, I think you, you find that most of these members and staff are not FBI per se. Now, if you read the actual uh, 9-11 Review Commission report, the 2015 report, you'll see that, and particularly in the appendices, that the commission did most of its work by receiving information directly from the FBI in terms of the records and information given, and as our lawsuit points out, not given to the Review Commission. Well, thank you, uh, Mick Harrison. Uh, David Meiswinkle, the lawsuit against the Department of Justice and the FBI was filed on March 25th. What is the next step or steps in this process? Well, as, as Mick said, there's uh, 60 days for the defendants to respond, and they can respond in different ways. They can answer the complaint basically to deny or to affirm the uh, allegations in the complaint, or they can put a, a motion to uh, dismiss. They can file it on some technicality. They can say things like, it doesn't state a cause of action. And they could say that the plaintiffs, which are the lawyers committee and architects and engineers and, and the victim family member, Bob McElvain, uh, don't have standing. They can say that the statute of limitation uh, had expired. In other words, they look for technical little uh, things that can trip you up in filing. They may say that it's not a proper uh, jurisdiction uh, that wasn't filed in the proper court. Uh, so things like that, Bonnie. But uh, then uh, it's more than likely they're not going to be able to prevail on that. And then the next step, what they call summary judgments, where the uh, attorneys will uh, do briefs and things of that nature and uh, get affidavit certifications to support the position. Now, the position here has to do with these seven counts. And as, as Mick went through them, the pre-planted explosives at the World Trade Center and the basically the high fivers, uh, people that they claim they were there to document the event so they had some advanced knowledge the destruction of the evidence, as Mick mentioned, that had to do with uh, the photographs. Uh, most people don't know that the, the uh, New Jersey State Police Forensic Photography Unit uh, developed three sets of photographs, and they were 8 by 10, so they were good size, and it, uh, all, all together 76 photographs 
and the public has not been uh, advised of that, or or the, certainly the Congress was never advised of it, and the uh, commission was it was never assessed as basically as as far as we know, and presented in any kind of report. Then the Saudi financing is very significant, as as, as again was outlined previously. The uh, plane parts, and again, this would be some kind of justification to keep this evidence in the case and to show the judge the importance of it. And the key is here, it was never properly assessed and never considered by the original 9-11 commission back in 2002 and uh, 2004. And then it was never even considered by the 9-11 review commission. So the plane parts, they would connect uh, the sites. As Mick mentioned before, there's serial numbers. There's a lot of dispute as to what planes hit what buildings. And in fact, if the American Flight 77 did hit the Pentagon, and that would be indicative of those serial numbers of the flight, the plane, what plane hit what building. And then the cell phone communications, a flip-flop from the cell phone communications with experts at one time said you couldn't make telephone communications above 30,000 feet at that time. And then the uh, development all of a sudden at the Masali trial a few years later about earphones. And then the camera work, the videos, most people didn't know there was videos uh, in the Pentagon mounted inside and, and outside. And that didn't know that there's uh, the 13 DVDs and hundreds of videos that's never been assessed. So I would uh, think that would be certainly uh, part and parcel of the importance of making a proper presentation to show that this evidence, I like to say evidence, was not reviewed properly, was not assessed, was not considered by either the, the original commission or the uh, latter commission, 9-11 Review Commission, and that it really important. What this does, Bonnie, it opens up, as Barbara mentioned, the entire matter. We're no longer in New York City. We are drawing lines, connecting dots to the various crime scenes. Well, yes. What would a successful resolution of this lawsuit entail or look like? What would we expect to have happen? Go ahead, Mick. Well, that's a good question. The relief that we're asking the court to order is to order the FBI to go back to the drawing board, as it were, and do its homework as directed by Congress, assess these six categories of evidence, the demolition evidence, the high fibers evidence, the Saudi financing, the Pentagon videos, and so forth, and have that assessment done by an external commission, and then report that assessment to Congress. So we essentially want compliance with the original requirements of the congressional mandate. Identify what the new evidence is, and new doesn't necessarily mean post-2004, it just means it was not considered by the original commission. Assess that evidence through an independent external commission and report that assessment to Congress. So we're not asking, for example, in this case, for a judgment that says the lawyers committee is correct in their reading of evidence category one or evidence category two, or that architects and engineers are correct on any one of these categories. What we want is for the evidence to be acknowledged, to be assessed independently, and then reported to Congress so that then the Congress can be informed and the American people can be informed thereby. If the, if the judge you know, agrees with us and issues that order, then all this evidence will have to be provided to Congress with an assessment from an independent panel 
and we're all going to be better informed about what really happened on 9-11. And then what happens after that, you know, will be a matter for all of us to decide once we're better informed. So uh, the order is, it's not like in some lawsuits where you're asking for a billion dollars in money damages. This is not about money. This is about information and the right to know. And the Congress's right to know and the public's right to know. So that's the nature of the order we're seeking. We're not, in this case, required to prove um, what happened. What we're required to prove is that there's a body of evidence related to 9-11 that the FBI is aware of that has not been addressed by the original commission or the new commission. And that's comparatively a simple matter to prove. And if, and, you know, if you go through our complaint line by line, you'll get, I think, a good feeling for our ability to prove it. Mick Harrison, Richard Gage, Barbara Honecker, and David Meiswickel, thank you very much. Thanks so much, Bonnie. Thank you. Thank I've been speaking with David Meiswinkel, Mick Harrison, Barbara Honecker, and Richard Gage. Today's show has been FBI Sued for Failure to Report 9-11 Evidence to Congress. To learn more and support both federal legal actions, the petition to U.S. Attorney to report federal crimes to grand jury, and the FBI 9-11 Review Commission lawsuit, please visit the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry at LC for 911.org. That's the letters LC, the word for, F O R, and the numbers 911.org. LC for 911.org. And visit the website for architects and engineers for 911 Truth at AE911Truth.org. That's AE911Truth.org. Guns and Butter is produced by Bonnie Faulkner, Yara Mako, and Tony Rango. Visit us at gunsandbutter.org to listen to past programs, comment on shows, or join our email list to receive our newsletter that includes recent shows and updates. Email us at faulkner at gunsandbutter.org. Follow us on Twitter at GNB Radio. Just so